said that you would leave Green Bay. And not join them. Bring balance to the NFC North. Not leave it in darkness. Today was going so great. It was going so well. I got a 97 on a test, on a lecture test. I was ready to start writing up and doing all my research and analysis for the conference tournaments for college basketball. This is the show that I get second most excited for each year and hopefully in the future. Number one most exciting is next week, which will be from Michigan after the tournament field gets released. But this show was supposed to be championship week everything. College basketball all show in the biggest, second biggest, third biggest, we'll see, second or third biggest week of college basketball. This was supposed to be everything, college basketball, everything to look at on the bubble as the conference tournaments continue. Everything you could possibly need, because I have no life, everything you could possibly need to understand each conference tournament, each team with a chance to win, and what they can do when the full bracket gets released, I was in a great mood. I'm still in a good mood, to be completely honest. It's not a bad mood. A damper, though, has been put on my day. My day has been made worse, it has gone from great to good because of what has happened in Green Bay and what has transpired and what the pastor said really resonates with me. Why? Why? Why did that need to happen? Why did my day, why did it need to get ruined that way? Ha! Uh, Boston College beat Pittsburgh in the ACC tournament. Serves them right. So, yeah, guess what? I have basketball on in the background, too. This was supposed to be all basketball. All basketball. But why? Why does Aaron Rodgers do what needs to be done? Why? Just leave. Go away. Leave my division. But no. He has to stay in Green Bay. He has to be the highest paid quarterback in the NFL ever. And he's in my league for at least two more years. At least. Oh, Duke, 54% chance to win ACC tournament. Yeah, that should be about 100% chance. North Carolina's not beating them again. See, I'm distracted by basketball. This should be basketball. I have basketball on in the background. I have basketball on in all my other tabs on computers. There is basketball everywhere. But I'm stuck here talking about how Aaron Rodgers decided he was going to come back to Green Bay. Why? Why? Just give me something nice. Please. Just go. Just go. Leave. Leave. And Denver says, yeah, we're going to sign Russell Wilson. Good for Denver. Truly good for Denver. But why couldn't it have just been Aaron Rodgers? Why could it not just been Aaron Rodgers? We are going to do short time. And I mean short time because there isn't enough for me to talk about contract-wise. It's where I could give an estimate for how long Aaron Rodgers is still going to be in my freaking division before Justin Fields gets good and Minnesota's rebuild is all the way. 
How long is he going to be in town? I don't know. I don't know what the player option is. I don't know if there's a buyout, what it is. Oh, there'll be a buyout. I don't know what anything. I don't know contract details yet at time of recording. What I know is why Nickel State is going to win the SWAC. That's what I know. I know why North Texas is going to win the Conference USA. Now why Aaron Rodgers signed a $50 million... Why is he here? Why can't he just go? Why can't he just go? I don't ask for nice things. I only ask for rational things. I don't believe that asking for Aaron Rodgers to leave was irrational. Yet here I stand alone. Well, sit, actually. I'm not standing. I'm sitting. Here I sit. What is Jim Harbaugh doing on the television? Why is he here? Can he please get off my... What is Jim Harbaugh doing here? What could we possibly have to talk about? Michigan 2022 football season output outlook. This is on SportsCenter at 5.48 p.m. on ESPN. Michigan 2022 football season outlook in the middle of March. Okay. All righty. Oh, Coach Prime had two toes amputated. Okay, I'm distracted. <laughs> I am completely distracted. I apologize. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. Okay, back to Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm losing my <laughs> I'm losing my mind. Okay, Aaron Rodgers is still in Green Bay and he's staying. Now, if I knew what the what the buyout was what the payouts were, anything that could give me a timetable for when he leaves, there would be more to talk about. But there just isn't, so I can't do it. All I can tell you is what you've already heard. Four years, $200 million, $153 million guaranteed over those four years, and Devontae Adams is only under contract through the rest of this season. Well, through, you know, through next season, right? Through all of next season, but that's it for Devontae. And you better believe that Devontae Adams is going to ask for a bag. All right? Next, Russell Wilson. Seattle, two first-round picks, two second-round picks. Noah Fant, Shelby Harris, fifth-round pick, Drew Locke. Denver gets Russell Wilson, fourth-round pick, and a Super Bowl ring. Because Denver is now going to win a Super Bowl in the next three years. It's going to happen. That's how it is going to work, okay? Denver was a quarterback away. Everybody knew it. They got their quarterback, franchise quarterback at that. They will now win a Super Bowl in the next three years, and we'll see what the contract is for Russell Wilson. We'll see how it all ends up going on with Denver because he's still got money that needs to be paid to him, right, out of Seattle. We'll see how all this goes. Wilson, in my opinion, has a six-year window, five- to six-year window, at least five, at least for sure. Six to eight years would be stretching it. But at least five years to win a Super Bowl in Denver. He will do it once. Denver will get another Super Bowl ring and they will use it. They will get it using the man that beat them in a Super Bowl almost 10 years ago, however long it was. Beautiful sports stories. Yay! Big news in football when I was prepared to talk basketball for like six hours. Not six hours, but you get what I'm saying. I was prepared 
for something and then something else happened. Wow. It's almost like I'm a journalist. <laughs> it's but that that's that's how it works. The news doesn't wait for you. You wait for the news. A very wise man once said that. You want to know what his name was? Me. I said that. <sighs> Aaron Rodgers back in Green Bay. What a life. What a wonderful world we live in. It was going to be the Lions the next two seasons. Because Chicago and Minnesota tore everything down and Aaron Rodgers was going to be gone. Now, by the time Aaron Rodgers is out of town, Minnesota would have had time to do their rebuild. Chicago would have had time to do theirs. And the Lions would only be one year ahead of each team. And now it would be Packers are bad. And now it's Lions, Bears, Vikings each are competing to win the division with, you know, 11 win football teams, which is not ideal. But, hey, maybe Green Bay implodes because a third of their salary cap, which is, I think, $208 million, I think they announced. The new NFL salary cap is $208 million, I believe, in that general area. 208 202 somewhere between $202 million and $209 million. It's in that range, and Aaron Rodgers is, you know, about a quarter of that up to this point so so we'll see what what else green bay decides to do with who they're going to pay because they do need to sign 51 other players to a 52-man roster so there is that but that's the news out of the nfl today that is what happened russ is in denver aaron Rodgers is in green bay and the lions are still in the cellar of the nfc north where balance was supposed to be brought but it has not been brought So, with all of that out of the way, I would like to talk college basketball, if you would allow me so. Please. It is March 9th? What day is it today? March 8th. Today is March 8th. This should be basketball time. And it is. But big football news happened. So, I deserve it to my loyal listeners to do a little bit of football, just a little bit, just a tad, until I actually get substantial news on the contract of Aaron Rodgers, how long he could actually stay in Green Bay before Minnesota, Illinois, and Michigan run him out of the division. And let's just just wait. Let's just be patient. Let's say, look, Aaron Rodgers is back. Russell Wilson is back. Well, Russell Wilson is not back. Russell Wilson is in Denver. (laughs) But what can we do as Lion fans, as Chiefs fans? Oh my gosh, that's a lot of snow falling in North Dakota right now. Look at that. 82 degrees in Chapel Hill and it's, you know, 20 here. Anyways, ignore that remark. But by this, football is something that is year-round. And football has a big audience, and it should. And I love football. It's my second favorite sport to talk about. I think earlier I actually said it was like, my first favorite. It's time bias, okay? This is basketball time. But, of course, when big news drops like this in football, it is my job, despite the fact that I'm self-employed, it is my job to talk about it. And it's my job to alert those people who want to hear what I have to say of certain news, of certain things that have happened. So, yes, Aaron Rodgers is back in Green Bay. Russell Wilson is going to Denver. 
And now it's up to Bears, Lions, Vikings, Chiefs, Raiders, and who's the other team? Chargers fans to clean up the mess and to live with the pain of what has just happened. Oh, it's Russell Wilson's top 10 plays on SportsCenter. That's nice. That's fantastic. At least it's not Aaron Rodgers. I'm on ESPN watching leading up to the Horizon League final because I want to watch the Horizon League tournament championship before, you know, as I record this. Because, again, <laughs> I I am going to reinforce this time and time again because I don't care because it's my show and I can do what I want and I do it myself and screw you. I am going to be basketball mode. I am going to be basketball nutcase for the next three weeks, two at least, and more than likely three. So everything around me is going to be basketball. On the computer, on the TV, in my notes. It will be all basketball. So I am going to make little remarks as this show goes on. You will hear me clicking on my computer, switching tabs, doing certain things, pulling up brackets. You will hear different background things. Oh, hey, look, it's a highlight against the Lions. That's great. Okay. Continue moving on. You will hear different things in the background. And I will do my best. I will do my due diligence to make these things not annoying. Not right in your ears. Not loud. But there will be background noise. That's just how it's going to work. Because I have papers on papers on papers on papers on papers. Eight pages, I think. Nine total for the show. And eight pages of basketball. Eight. Things will rustle. Things will make sound. Get it? Rustle. Things will rustle around. (laughs) Oh, that was a good one. That was a good one. I'm in pain. But there will be things moving around. There will be background sounds. And I will do my best to make sure that it isn't annoying to you guys. So with all that out of the way, with all the prerequisites out of the way, with Aaron Rodgers keeping his house in Green Bay for no reason, let's talk some college basketball, okay? This is going to be conference tournament focused with some bubble watch as well, along with a little bit of number one seeds. And I'm just going to kind of tie it all in, make it all make sense, do the best that I can to, to just stay cohesive, to stay coherent, to make sure you kind of understand my following, understand my process for doing all this, okay? So we're going to start with who's already in. As of this moment, we have... Longwood out of the Big South, their first ever tournament appearance, by the way. Congratulations to the Longwood Lancers. The Lancer Lunatics, as I heard on the television, different than the Lawson Lunatics, probably better than the Lawson Lunatics as well. We have Sister Jean out of the Missouri Valley Conference, 25-7 record. Longwood also has, I believe, 25 wins. Longwood won a lot of games this year. Loyola Chicago out of the Missouri Valley Conference, as I said, 25 wins, 7 losses. They were a 4 seed in their conference tournament. They beat Drake. A 4 seed out of the Missouri Valley one week ago was a bubble team trying to get in off the bubble. A 4 seed in the Missouri Valley. That's crazy. Just because of the history. Just because of who they are now and who they were before. Next, out of the Ohio Valley Conference... 
we have Murray State, ranked 17th in the AP polls, 30 wins, 2 losses. The question I would like to ask about Murray State is how high will they seed? A 17th ranked team in the AP with 30 wins, conference champions of the Ohio Valley Conference. How high can they go? My estimate would be five. I think Missouri State, even though they're in the Ohio Valley, even though I haven't beaten anybody, 30 wins, you're ranked 17th, you have won your conference tournament, you are a five seed. I would never put Murray State as high as a four seed. But I think you, as a five seed, are one of the 20 best teams in college basketball. Six would be the lowest I would put Murray State, and they could end up at a six. But realistically, I would see them as high as a five. Five versus 12 matchup. Next, out of the Southern, potentially a team that they could be playing. I'm just kidding. They would never put Chattanooga as a 12 seed. But out of the Southern Conference, the SoCon, the SACon, the SOCon, the SACondes, SOCon tournament champions, Chattanooga, 27-7, and in their conference championship, they beat Furman in overtime. Next, out of the Sun Belt, commonly referred to as something else that I won't say, Georgia State. Do you remember them? They were the team that was that 14 seed that beat whoever it was with that guy that shot that long three-pointer from the top of the key and their coach had like a broken leg or something. He was in a boot and he fell off of his stool and fell after his son made the shot. His name was oh, Harp, Harper? Harper? No, no, that no, that's the guy out of run. There's somebody, whatever his name was, I've, I can't remember off the top of my head. I should have gone back and looked. But Georgia State's back. 18-10 and 10 record. They beat the conference eight seed, which was Louisiana Lafayette, to get into the tournament. So I think you're going to see Georgia State probably as a 15 seed, if not a 16 seed, maybe not in the play-in as a 16 seed, but just as a 16 seed playing against a one. I see Georgia State easily as a 15 or 16. And Chattanooga, I don't think I mentioned this. I'm looking at Chattanooga, 27 wins. They're out of the Southern Conference. I wouldn't be surprised to see Chattanooga at a 14 seed, especially given how they it took, it took them overtime to beat Furman. But Furman wasn't a joke either. Okay, we have our five teams that have made it so far up to this point. We also have now, just now happening on the Tuesday as I record, we have Bellarmine who won their conference, the A-Sun, but Bellarmine has just gone from Division Two to Division One. So Bellarmine is ineligible, which means Jacksonville State, who was the one seed in the A-Sun, will receive the tournament bid in place of Bellarmine, which means that Jacksonville State now is going to the uh, NCAA tournament as an auto bid. Now, I don't know much about Jacksonville State. I don't even know their record because this all just happened, and I just heard five minutes ago that Bellarmine was completely (laughs) ineligible. So Jacksonville State, congratulations. You're coming out of the A-Sun. I have no idea who you are. Have fun. Next, the Colonial Athletic. The Colonial Athletic Association, which is a conference, not an association. It's a conference. The 
the CAAC. You can say that acronym out loud if you would so like to. You could pronounce it if you want to. The CAAC, the Colonial Athletic Association Conference. Delaware versus UNC Wilmington is happening today. That is the championship game. Oh, by the way, all these things that I'm saying, what's happening today? I'm not going through every college tournament game that's happening today. I'm saying which tournament bids are going to be punched today. That I should make that clear. So what tournament bids are going to be punched today? We have Jacksonville State already out of the A-Sun. We have the winner of Delaware, a five seed in the Colonial Athletic Association Conference versus the number two seed, UNC Wilmington. We have the Horizon League, which is the game I'm watching now because I kind of have an interest in the Horizon League. You've, there are a couple teams close to where I'm from in the Horizon League, so I like to watch these little teams, despite the fact that neither of them are in it. Why are the students holding up bricks? Oh, yeah, because they're trying. Okay, I get it. I get it. I was like, oh, brick, what does that mean? Horizon League, we have Wright State versus Northern Kentucky, the four seed versus the three seed. So chances are whoever wins this will probably get a 16 seed in the play-in. Both of them do have 20 wins, so they could just get a 16 or a 15. But I wouldn't be surprised, especially if the four seed wins, Wright State. If Wright State wins this game, I have a feeling they'll find themselves in the 16 seed play-in game in Dayton. But I will say, those Wright State black jerseys that they have on, those are very nice uniforms. They're very bland. They're, they're very like boring. It's just Wright State. It's black jersey, and it just says Wright State in white with the little Horizon League logo. But they're so simple, but also just so nice. Those are some nice jerseys. Wright State up one to nothing, by the way, in case you're all wondering on Wednesday after the game actually happens. Next game, the Northeast Conference Championship. Two-seed Wagner, number one seed Bryant. The Summit League, which I also have an interest in where because of where I am now, number two seed North Dakota State versus number one seed South Dakota State. A thing of note in this game, if South Dakota State wins this game, they will be a 30-win team. South Dakota State, I could seriously see as high as an 11. Now, it won't happen because they're Summit League champions. They come out of the Summit League. They don't beat anybody. So they will be a 12. But I'm, I would not be surprised, and I think they deserve an 11 seed. I don't think South Dakota State deserves to play a 5 seed in the first round of the tournament. I believe they deserve to play a 6 seed. But that's just my opinion. And then next... The Gonzaga Conference Championship, West West Coast Conference, but it's the Gonzaga Conference. Gonzaga versus St. Mary's, a fun rematch after St. Mary's beat them at St. Mary's a couple weeks ago, which was Gonzaga at St. Mary's is always a great game. It's always a great atmosphere. This is going to be a neutral site. This is a conference championship. Gonzaga needs to flex. They need to have the number one overall seed. They got to hold on to their seeding. Gonzaga wins this game by 26 points. What's left, okay? Tomorrow, Wednesday, so today at the time of you listening, is going to be the Patriot League. Navy versus Colgate. Navy and Colgate, I believe that is the one and two seed. I believe. Don't quote me on that. I know Colgate's the one seed, and I'm pretty sure Navy's the two seed. I would love to see Navy win because Colgate beat us in hockey, beat North Dakota in hockey. So just based on that premise alone, go midshipmen. Okay, next, after Wednesday, there are no conference championships until Saturday. On Saturday, we have the America East, who I will predict as Vermont, winning Vermont 
Vermont winning. Number one seed, Vermont is also 26 and five, okay? And for the rest of these, I'm just gonna be giving my prediction for who wins. Now there are eight conference, eight conferences that I'll be giving a bigger breakdown of as we go through the rest of this show. The smaller conferences, I'm just gonna give you the winner and just a quick reason why, just a quick reason. The eight conferences that I'll be going into are the Power Five, obviously. Then we'll have the Big East, the Mountain West, and the American. But for all the other conferences that are left, it's just going to be who I think is going to win and just a little tidbit reason why. Whether it be an actual logical reason, a historical reason, or just a personal beef reason. Okay, So like I said with the Patriot League, we have Wednesday, Navy versus Colgate. Go Navy. Who cares? America East, we have Vermont as the one seed. 26 and 5. They're one of the only teams in that conference that's won. They're the only team in that conference that's won over 25 games. And I think they're one of two or three teams in that conference that's only won over 20 games. So I just got to take Vermont based off premise. And Vermont truly is the best team in that conference. And I'd be surprised to see them lose. Vermont wins that. Vermont will be a popular 13 upset over a four seed and a popular 14 seed over a three, depending on where they go. Because if Vermont ends up as a 28-win team, they get into the tournament, chances are they're a 13 seed or they're a 14 seed. They will be a trendy upset pick, and they usually are. ACC, self-explanatory. Duke, we'll get into a little bit with this later, but Duke's going to win the ACC. You heard it earlier when I said it, when I saw it over the TV. How does Duke only have a 56% chance to win that tournament? It should be a 98% chance. There's nobody in that conference that's going to beat Duke, especially after what North Carolina did to him. Big 12, this one's a complicated one. Big 12 is a bloodbath this year. I have Kansas. I think Kansas is the most equipped team to win this conference. But if Kansas State wins it in the fir- out of the first round and they Kansas State just catches fire and wins a conference, I, I honestly, I wouldn't be surprised. If there is a team that's going to have an Oregon State-type run as a bid stealer, I would not be surprised to see it come from a team out of the Big 12. Just because anybody can beat anybody in the Big 12. But the only problem with that is the Big 12 only has 10 teams and they're projected to put six into the conference. And one of those teams is ineligible. So that leaves teams 7, 8, and 9 as the only teams as potential bid stealers. Two of those teams play each other tomorrow. So then it leaves only West Virginia or one other team that I'm forgetting. Or West, that leaves the winner of West Virginia, Kansas State, and then the other team that I'm forgetting. <laughs> as as the only other team that could be that bid stealer. But again, if it comes out of the Big 12, I wouldn't be surprised. But I do have Kansas. I think they're the most equipped team to, to be uh, win in the Big 12 tournament. Big East, I have Villanova. Only because I do not personally think that Providence can do it. It's been Villanova and Providence pretty much the entire season. And when Villanova and Providence have played each other this season... They've been close, and they've been competitive games. But I like Villanova more than Providence. And we'll again, we're going to get into the Big East a little bit later. We'll get into the Big 12 later. I'm not just going to say Villanova wins. Moving on. That's not how this is going to work. Villanova, I think, is going to win the Big East. I think they're better than Providence. I think they're better than UConn. The only two other teams that people would have a shot at saying could contest Villanova. Also, Villanova has been historically successful in the Big East tournament. Villanova doesn't lose in the Big East tournament, and if they do, it's in the championship game. Villanova gets the championship game. It's just a matter of who they play. 
They're on the opposite side of the bracket, obviously, as, as Providence. So if they saw Providence, it wouldn't be until the championship. But I give it to Villanova right now. Next, the Big Sky. I have Montana State coming out of the Big Sky winning. Why do I have Montana State coming out of the Big Sky? First off, they are the one seed in that conference. So naturally, they are the best team in the conference. Adds a little bit of confidence to that pick. They're also from Bozeman, Montana, which is beautiful. Montana State football also had a chance to beat North Dakota State in football. They did not. Montana State could have dethroned North Dakota State in football. They did not. And I was rooting hard for Montana State to do it in football. They could not. And unfortunately, that left me to deal with NDSU fans. Because I rooted for Montana State in football, I will root for them in basketball. Next, Big West. I am taking Hawaii. Here's why. Hawaii is, I forget what seed they are in the Big West, a three or a four seed. The number one seed in the Big West, take a guess on what their overall record is. I'll give you just, I'll give you a couple seconds just to think about what the record of the number one seed overall in the Big West is. Take a couple seconds and think about it. Okay. It's 18 and 11. The best team in the Big West is 18 and 11. I take Hawaii based on the fact that I've heard of their college. Done. Hawaii. Whatever. Hawaii wins the Big West. Why? Because they play in a conference where the one seed is 18 and 11 overall. And I actually know who Hawaii is. And Hawaii is a super cool place. And I want to go there. So I pick Hawaii. Next. Conference USA. North Texas is who I have winning that conference. Why? North Texas is an interesting one. North Texas was competing for an at-large bid. North Dakota was one of North Dakota. North Texas was one of those teams that could have come out of a tiny conference and tried to steal an at-large bid. Kind of like the way um uh, Bucknell, I think it was last year, people wanted Bucknell in as an at-large because they had won like 28 games or something like that. But I, they, I don't think they ended up getting it, despite the fact, you know, after they lost their conference tournament. North Texas is now out of that running for the at-large. North Texas will not get an at-large. They will have to win the Conference USA tournament. And just based on desperation alone and based on the season that they've had in needing to win the tournament of the, big, uh, of the Conference USA to get into the big tournament... It just makes sense that I would pick North Texas because they are easily the best team in that conference. But now the pressure is on after having zero chance to get in in an off of an at-large bid. Next, we have the mock. Not the Mac, the mock. The Mac is after the mock. We have the Metro Atlantic Athletic Conference, I believe is what mock stands for. The M-A-A-C. Now, who comes out of the MAAC? Who's in the MAAC? I don't know. I've never heard of anybody. Have you ever heard of Rick Pitino, former head coach for Louisville, respects women? Yeah, he coaches at Iona. They're 25-6, and six, and Iona won it last year and should have won a tournament game last year. They, oh, man, I actually, did they win? I don't remember if Iona won a, a tournament game last year in the NCAA. But I think they were close. If not, they did it. Iona's the best team in the mock. It's not close. They're coached by Rick Pitino. Rick Pitino will run through any tiny team, nobody, that plays in the mock in that tournament. Iona, easy, easy pick. Probably the easiest pick 
Iona wins the mock. They get, you know, 14 seed, whatever, in the tournament. Next, after the mock, fittingly, we have the MAC. I'm taking Kent State out of the MAC. Kent State is the two seed. Here's why I'm taking Kent State out of the MAC. Because Kent State is the coolest looking university in Ohio. That's it. Next, MEAC, Norfolk State, the one seed. Norfolk State is the only team in the MEAC with 20 wins. That's why I pick Norfolk State. If you are the only team in your conference with 20 wins, I pick you to win that conference tournament just based on philosophy. Next, we have the Mountain West, which is a complicated one. That's one of the ones that got included into my breakdown that I wasn't initially going to include. But seeing how the pieces of the Mountain West are starting to fit and seeing how tight this race is and seeing some bubble and tournament seeding implications with this conference... I am going to do a little bit more of a breakdown, a little bit deeper of a breakdown of this conference. Out of the Mountain West, the champion that I have chosen is San Diego State, the three seed. I will get into this later. I don't want to explain it now because I'll get into a rat hole. But trust me, South, South I see SDSU and I think South Dakota State. I'm sorry. I'm in North Dakota. San Diego State, the three seed, is my pick to win the Mountain West. And we'll get into that a little bit later. Another conference we're going to get into later after this is the Pac-12. I have Arizona coming out of the Pac-12. Wow, hot take. Okay, Arizona winning the Pac-12. What a shock. I'm going to debate a little bit. I'm going to give a couple reasons why it might not happen. A couple of sleepers in the Pac-12. A lot of teams that were on the bubble, now aren't, potentially can make noise out of desperation. But out of the Pac-12 right now, I have Arizona, but we're going to take a little bit of a deeper look at the Pac-12 in a minute. Next, we have the Southland Conference. Not to be confused with the SOCON Conference, the SOCON, we have the Southland Conference. Southeast Louisiana as the two-seed is who I have winning this conference. And i got to be honest with you, I thought I had some notes on why I picked them to win. I do not. I think the Southland Conference is really bad, and I think Southeast Louisiana was one of those teams I either picked on logo or based on the fact that they have the best record. I'll be completely honest. I don't know why I wrote down Southeast Louisiana to win the Southland Conference, but they won't win in the NCAA tournament anyways, so it doesn't matter. But <laughs> just trust that I had a reason to pick Southeast Louisiana to win the Southland Conference, <laughs> and we'll go from there. Next, the, the SWAUS Conference, the SWAC, the Southwestern Athletic Conference, SWAUS. I have Texas Southern. No team in the SWAUS has more than 17 wins. No team. Texas Southern has won 10 out of 12 games, 10 out of their last 12. The only other team that has 17 wins in the, South, in the SWAUS Conference is Southern University at 17 and 13. I choose Texas Southern in this because they have the best record away from home. <laughs> They're like 8 and 10. But in a, in a conference tournament where it's going to be on neutral site, I'm going to trust the team, despite the fact that they don't have that great of a record, I'm going to pick the team, one, that's hot, which would be Texas Southern. They've won 10 of 12. I'm also going to pick the team that has performed the best away from home this season, that would also be Texas Southern. 
I picked Texas Southern. Congratulations. You're going to win the SWAC. You're also going to have a 16 seed in the conference. Next, we have the WAC, which I... Who did I pick to win the WAC? I have my notes on why, but I don't have the actual team of who I think is going to win the WAC. Hang on a minute. Who do I have winning the WAC? Let's go. Let's go back to the interwebs. Let's go back to the interwebs and see who I have winning the WAC. I literally have on my notes, WAC, only team with 20-plus wins. They've also won seven in a row. Or no, that's actually no. Wait, wait, wait. Hold up. I'm messing up. Here we go. I have it. I figured it out. Okay. WAC, Stephen F. Austin is the three seed. Stephen F. Austin has won 10 in a row. They're the hottest team going into the WAC conference. That's why I'm picking Stephen F. Austin. Also, Stephen F. Austin always seems to find a way into the NCAA tournament. Look, always see Stephen F. Austin. So, I mean, they have historical success, which means I'm more comfortable picking them. Okay, those are all the conference tournament championships that get played Saturday. Next, we get to go to Sunday. Sunday, we have the American Conference, the A-10, the Big Ten, the Ivy League, and the SEC. Okay, so we'll start with the American. The American will get is another one of those not power five that's going to get talked about in a second. Uh, I have Houston winning the American Conference. The A-10, a little bit of a surprise. I have St. Bonaventure. St. Bonaventure was one of those teams. Oh, what about Dayton and Davison? If you're actually thinking that. St. Bonaventure was one of those teams that was competing for an at-large bid out of a group of five, out of a mid-major conference, similar to what I talked about earlier with North Texas. St. Bonaventure is out of that discussion. St. Bonaventure needs to win the A-10 conference tournament. They need to win that tournament just to get a bid into the NCAA. And I think that desperation, that back-against-the-wall mentality, is going to lead them over teams like Davison and Dayton. I don't have the A-10 bracket pulled up, but if I did, there would be a chance that St. Bonaventure, well, either way, they're probably going to have to go through both of those teams, but I'm thinking, hey, maybe one Davidson or Dayton loses, or they knock each other out before St. Bonaventure gets to them, and then St. Bonaventure only has to go through one of those teams. But given the fact, I think St. Bonaventure is the four seed, I believe that they would have, they're going to have to go through at least one of them because I believe VCU is the three seed in that conference, but I don't quote me on that. Next, we have the Big Ten. I have Wisconsin coming out of the Big Ten. We'll get into this later. Oh, Johnny Davis is hurt. No, he's playing. He's fine. Minor ankle sprain. He's playing. Don't worry. Ivy League. (laughs) Funny thing about the Ivy League is, of course, Ivy League has to be special. Four teams play in the Ivy League conference tournament. <laughs> There's eight, te- eight, eight or ten teams in the Ivy League. Four of them play in the conference tournament. So the Ivy League plays its semifinal. The Ivy League tournament doesn't even start until Saturday, I don't think. Princeton is who I have coming out of the Ivy League based on the fact that I can only choose four teams. So I'm just going to choose the best of the four. Princeton's the one seed. Most conference wins. Most wins overall. Princeton's the best team in the Ivy League. They only need to play two games. I, I got to take Princeton here. The SEC. This one this one is where I could catch some heat outside of the St. Bonaventure A-10 hot take. I have Arkansas winning the SEC Conference Tournament. Give me time to explain this later in the show. Give me time. But I'm sticking with SEC. And another note in the SEC. I'm sticking with Arkansas to the SEC. 
But note this, Arkansas with the SEC, SEC is the only team with, wait, what am I looking at? I'm incredibly confused. This is a massive spreadsheet. SEC is the only conference with three top 10 teams. Arkansas isn't one of those teams, but Arkansas has won seven in a row. So I got to give it to Arkansas. Or no, 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 they haven't, they haven't. Princeton has won seven. That's right, I got my notes mixed up. This is crazy. This is craziness. Princeton has won seven in a row. They're the only team in the Ivy League with 20 plus wins. Arkansas is playing in a conference, the only conference with three top 10 AP teams going into the conference tournament. I'll elaborate more on Arkansas later, but Arkansas for right now. Oh my gosh, the paper's making all this background noise. Okay, so next we're gonna do our little we're gonna do our little breakdown here. Our Power Five tournament winners and why. For each conference tournament, I'm also going to do a sleeper who could and and I want to make sure I define this the right way. When I say sleeper, I don't mean sleeper to win the conference tournament. I mean sleeper to who could make noise unpredicted noise in a conference tournament. There will be teams, like I said with Arkansas, that could be a sleeper to win it, like I chose. Upset winners, not the one or two seed, right? So there are a couple of conferences where I'll say, you know, this team is a sleeper to win it, even though they're a three seed. And then there are conferences where I'll say, this team is a sleeper that could make some noise, win one or two or three games, when they're only expected to win one or zero games in the tournament, and they could be a sleeper just to make a little bit of noise, make people think, wow, this team did pretty good in the tournament. I didn't expect them to do that. So obviously, you know, with the Mountain West, it might not be as interesting. But as we get into SEC, ACC, you know, some bubble teams in the Big Ten, we'll say, hey, look, this could be a sleeper team that could make some noise. Their backs are against the wall or they're trying to play their way back into the tournament after getting knocked out recently, okay? So we're going to start with the Mountain West as, the, as a conference that I'm going to give a little bit of a look into. Okay, this tournament is getting played in Las Vegas. I chose SDSU, not South Dakota State, San Diego State. I chose them because they have won 10 of 11 games. The only loss during that stretch was a one-point loss at Boise State. Boise State is the number one seed in the Mountain West tournament. That game was on the road. It was on February 22nd. South South Dakota, I'm going to keep doing that. SD, I'm just saying SDSU from this point on. SDSU is coming off one-point victories versus Fresno, at home against Fresno State, and at Nevada. I value a team, even if it would have been an upset if Nevada would have beat him or if Fresno would have beat him, I value a team that knows how to win in close games, that knows how to keep their cool in close games. And I like SDSU with that. They're hot. They've won 10 of 11. Only loss is a one-point loss at the number one seed. SDSU was on a roll, so I'm going to keep rolling with SDSU, which is why I pick them as the three seed. My sleeper is going to be Wyoming. My other team of note is Wyoming. Now, Wyoming, oh, how is that a sleeper? They're right there with SDSU. The only difference is SDSU is in the, tur- is in the tournament field currently. They're projected as a nine seed under Joe, with Joe Lenardi. Also, according to Joe Lenardi, Wyoming, and you're going to notice um, a lot of my tournament bracket 
things that I mentioned in terms of seeding, it's going to be a lot of Joel and Artie. There are a couple times where I'm going to go to the CBS side of it, but mostly it will be Joel and Artie's rankings because as a basketball person, I basically take what Joel and Artie says as gospel, basically, not all of it, but it's just it's just the main source. And, and it keeps everything kind of you know streamlined in terms of how I'm looking at each team. I'm looking at each team based on Joel Lenardi, who historically has had the most success in predicting these brackets. You know, I'm not going to say, oh, hey, look, here's Wyoming's Joel Lenardi ranking, and then here's Houston's Andy Katz ranking. Like, I'm, I'm not going to do that. So it, everything is just pretty much based on Joel Lenardi outside of a couple bubble teams where we're going to look at where everyone else has them on the bubble and just a couple of other random things. But for the sake of this, pretty much everything is going to be Joe Lenardi. So just I want to get that out of the way. Last four in, Wyoming, according to Joe Lenardi. Based on desperation alone, Wyoming can be a sleeper to win this tournament. Because Wyoming is going to need to win at least two or three games in this tournament to find themselves, to ice themselves in. They cannot lose against a bad team, against a middle-of-the-road Mountain West team, or else a team like Indiana is going to take their spot in a tournament. They just will. Wyoming and South and <laughs> Wyoming and SDSU are on opposite sides of the bracket, which favors Wyoming. They will not see each other until the tournament championship. Wyoming wouldn't need the victory by the time they see SDSU. So that's why I pick SDSU over Wyoming. But I would not be surprised to see a Wyoming SDSU championship. And that's another part of the reason why I pick SDSU to win. Because I think SDSU is a better team than Wyoming. SDSU is a projected 9 seed, like I said. SDSU can also move up. They have that motivation. They can get a quality win over a projected 7 seed in Colorado State early in the tournament. And play themselves into the 7 seed line on their way to the Mountain West Conference Championship. And if they play themselves off of that 8-9 line and put themselves onto the 7 line, that would prevent them from having to play against a number 1 seed in the round of 32, which benefits everybody that's an SDSU fan. Next, we're going to head into the Big East. I chose Villanova to win this. There are five teams in the Big East that have 20 or more wins. Providence, Villanova, UConn, Seton Hall. Did I say five? That's four wins. Oh, I'm, I, I'm either missing one or I wrote the wrong number down. I think I'm missing one. I'm not sure. Either way, four, at least four teams have at least 20 wins. The only three teams that can be ruled out in this conference tournament are Butler, DePaul, and Georgetown. Everybody else can win. Villanova is trying to make their case as a one seed. They are ranked eighth in the polls, and they're currently listed as a three seed. Villanova can get in. They can win this first game. 20th ranked UConn would be game two. 11th ranked Providence would be in the final. UConn is a projected five seed. Providence is a projected four seed. Okay. Villanova would get Seton Hall in the first game, which would be a quality win, but not enough to move them up. If you beat UConn, Seton Hall, and Providence on the way to a Big East tournament championship, you are at least a two seed. And people would argue, the argument should be had, 
based on other things that could happen with Arizona, Auburn, Illinois, Kansas, Kentucky, other thing Duke, other things can happen in this area that could give Villanova the argument for being a one seed. And I think Villanova plays with that fire. I think Villanova says, look, we are Villanova. We do not deserve a three. We deserve a two or one at least. And I think Villanova understands how much they can move up based on how some of these teams have performed ahead of them. I mean, look, we just had a week where the top six teams lost all in one day. And then seven of the top 10 lost, right? Villanova knows they can easily play themselves onto the two and have a shot to put themselves on the one. So I'm taking Villanova to win this. Here's my sleeper, Xavier. Xavier is currently a last four in. They play Butler in the first round and will play Providence in round two. They need to win the game against Butler. Xavier must beat Butler. If they do that and they beat Providence, Xavier fans can rest easy. Xavier fans can know they can get in. But Xavier is going to play with their back against the wall against Butler, knowing that they cannot lose. And then they would have a shot to ice it against Providence. And I think you'll see that. And Providence has not looked convincing as of late. So you could see Xavier win a couple games, potentially take down that two seed. Or no, is Providence the one or the two seed? I'm not sure. I forget. I don't. I also don't have that bracket pulled up. This is wild. But either way, Butler could get a top 15 victory in the AP polls against Providence on a neutral court, which would be a quad one win, even though the, they don't technically, the tournament committee doesn't say, oh, how many quad one wins do they have? It's just a metric. But using this metric has helped determine who has gotten in and not, despite the fact that NCAA is like, no, nah, no, nah, we don't use that metric. Okay. Xavier can pick up a big win against Providence and ice themselves in. And I think Xavier has a genuine shot to win two games into this tournament and find themselves, hey, hey, look at this. Xavier, all of a sudden, on the bubble, has now played themselves into the Big East semis or maybe even the Big East final against Villanova. And if that happens and Xavier does knock Providence out of their side of the bracket, I see Xavier easily getting in a tournament. And I also see Villanova easily winning that conference championship, winning that conference tournament. So that's my logic with the Big East. Next, we have... Oh, hey, look, it's yellow paper. I don't need that. Okay. Next, we have the American Conference. Okay. So you kind of noticed what I did. I got the three not Power 5, but still very intriguing conferences out of the way. The American is the last one that we'll do. Then we'll get into the ACC, Pac-12, Big 10, Big 12, SEC. We'll get into all those guys. Last one, though, for now is going to be the American Conference. I predicted Houston as the one seed here. I don't think that's irrational, given the fact that they just lost by 40 at Memphis. It wasn't 40, but you get what I'm saying. Houston just went to Memphis on national television and lost by a lot. Memphis is playing really good basketball. We'll get into them later. Hint, hint. Houston is the one seed. They're the best team. They're the only team ranked. There isn't a reason to not pick Houston. Houston had won six in a row before losing to Memphis. You just got to pick Houston here. But the fun thing here would be the sleepers, okay? We have Memphis, in my opinion, as the sleeper. Memphis and SMU would see each other in the semifinal, and this can cause major chaos in the bubble if SMU wins because that could mean they both get into the tournament because Memphis is already in right now, and SMU 
is on the bubble as Lenardi's last team in. And Memphis is on there as a last four buy. So for those of you that don't know, the last four buys would be the four best teams that aren't playing in the playing games. So you are a 11 seed that goes to Dayton. That means you are one of the four worst at-large bids. Now, if you're a last four buy, that means you are one of the five to eight worst at-large bids, but you're good enough to not have played in Dayton. You just avoided the playing game in Dayton. So right now, Memphis is just barely avoiding a playing game at, in Dayton, but still in the NCAA tournament, according to Joe Lenardi. Also, according to Joe Lenardi, like I said, SMU is the last team in, which would put SMU in Dayton, in the playing game. Now, Memphis and SMU could see each other in the semifinal. This game could be crazy because if SMU wins, that would mean they both get in, and Memphis had obviously already won a game up until that point. This desperation game opens the door for Houston to clean up the mess of the semifinal, which is why I would pick Houston to win the championship game. SMU and Memphis would be playing for their lives, SMU to stay in the tournament, Memphis to avoid Dayton, Memphis and SMU give it their all, Houston is fresh, Houston isn't playing against a good team, okay, Houston wins. Houston, like I said, had won six in a row before losing to Memphis. Memphis has won 10 of 11. SMU's won four of five. All three of these teams can make some noise. Also, three American Conference teams in the field of 68 would mean bad things, would mean disaster-type scenarios for teams like Indiana, Virginia Tech, and Rutgers, who are all hovering. Rutgers last four in, I believe. Indiana is Lenardi's best team out. VTech also best team, one of the first four out, I believe, as well. The true sleeper. Here's what I here's what I want to do. Here's what I want to do. This true sleeper with the American. Just just bear with me on this for a second, okay? My true sleeper, Wichita State. I'm not saying they win it. I'm saying Wichita State can pull an upset, and here's why. Wichita State has won two in a row. They lost three in a row before this. They've started to get right. They've now won two games in a row. If they beat Tulsa, Wichita State, if they beat Tulsa, they would draw SMU. SMU could be looking ahead to Memphis if Memphis doesn't lay an egg. SMU says, oh my goodness, we need we need to win and just we need to just get to Memphis. Oh, if all we need to do is beat Memphis, just get past Memphis. Okay, I get it. SMU is playing with their back against the wall. But I could totally see a scenario where SMU just looks ahead a little bit. Looks ahead at Memphis, says, we need to stop Memphis's hot streak. We need to win and beat Memphis so we can ice ourselves in the tournament. Completely forget about Wichita State. Oh my gosh. Next thing you know, holy crap. Seven seed in the American Wichita State. Just beat SMU. Knocked SMU out of the tournament. Hey, hey, congratulations, Rutgers. You're in. Congratulations, Indiana. You're in. That's how I see it potentially happening. So Wichita State wins their opening game against Tulsa. Then they beat SMU. Oh my goodness, those stinking shockers. They're in the semifinal now. Look at this. Good for them. That's that's how that's how I look at it. Right? SMU would then or as Wichita State would then go to the uh the semifinal against Memphis. Oh ho, Wichita State beat Memphis. There they go against Houston. Again. 
Wichita State just has a history of success in March, right? So there's a little bit of bias there. Wichita State is kind of a March household name. So I automatically give a little bit of an advantage to Wichita State. But I think that it is laid out well for Wichita State to potentially make a little bit of a surprise appearance here. Next, we're going to get into the ACC, the first of the Power Five conferences, also the least interesting, in my opinion, also the worst, in my opinion, despite the fact that I have no love for the Pac-12. I do think that the ACC is the worst of the Power Five conferences. I don't think that would be much of an argument. The ACC is having a down year. Duke, for sure, best team easily. They're going to avenge their loss against North Carolina. Coach K is still their coach. Yes, it was the last game at Cameron. They're still want. They're still ruled by Coach K. And after that, just disgraceful loss against North Carolina, I do not see a scenario where Duke just doesn't run through the ACC. But a sleeper team to not win because they won't. But a sleeper team to advance a little bit further than people thought, potentially pull an upset. I'm going to say Wake Forest. Wake Forest is similar to Memphis and that they are one of these last four buy teams that Joel Lenardi has. Wake Forest is looking to avoid a play-in game. Wake Forest doesn't want to go to Dayton. Who would want to go to Dayton? Okay, Wake Forest starts Wednesday versus the winner of Pittsburgh and Boston College, which I believe has already been decided. I mentioned that earlier. I believe that was Boston College that smacked Pittsburgh. They would play Miami in the quarterfinals and then Duke in the semifinals. Beating Miami would 100% keep them off the plane. Now, if they beat Miami, that would be an upset, which is why I have them as a sleeper. You beat Pitt and Boston College, that wouldn't 100% put them in the play-in, but Deacon fans would hold their breath if they lose to Miami after beating Pitt or or beating uh, Boston College. Sorry. So, I mean, look, you beat Boston College, right? just want to make this completely clear. That doesn't do anything. For the, for the actual bracket. If you beat Boston College, that's not going to impress anybody. They would stay right where they are. Now, if they want to move up and ice their spot, they would want to beat Miami, right? They wouldn't move up or down if they just beat Boston College. They'd probably stay where they are. They'd probably stay safe. But if you want to be 100% safe, you got to beat Miami. You have to. Because you never know what can happen with some of these bubble teams that could play their way off of the last four in and into the buys. You never know. You never know what can happen with that. And if Wake Forest, unimpressive showing against Boston College, gets housed by Miami, uh-oh, Wake Forest is in the last four end now. They're in Dayton because of a bid stealer. You know, who, who knows? Who knows what can happen? So I think Wake Forest could pull an upset against Miami there. Then, you know, they would get blasted by Duke. But if I had to pick a sleeper in the ACC, I pick Wake Forest to pull an upset, potentially find themselves sneaking in to the semifinal against Duke just because of that premise wanting to stay off of, you know, wanting to stay off of that play in line, wanting to make sure they stay 100% in the tournament and then losing if they lose to Boston College, that would be disastrous because then that would be at best there in the playing game. So, just take a look at Wake Forest. Wake Forest still has a lot to play for. They're one of those teams in the ACC where they're in but they're not iced in and not iced not to play in Dayton, you know? So Wake Forest just got to make sure that they stay stay where they are, don't drop down, and I think in doing that, Wake Forest could potentially work their way up, be a little bit of a sleeper. They're 3-3 three and three in their last six, but the last two that they've won, 
they have won by a combined 47 points. So Wake Forest is starting to heat up at a good time, and I think the pressure's on in Wake Forest. I think you could potentially see them make a little bit of a run in the ACC tournament for good reason. Hey, I've lit the paper. Look at the background noise. Next, Big Ten. Wisconsin, I picked them as a two seed. Who's the sleeper in the Big Ten? All of them. Huh, even Nebraska. Just kidding, despite the fact that Nebraska won. Here's my true sleeper. Okay, and, and I'm this, this isn't the only time that I'm going to do this, but the true sleeper in the Big Ten, in my opinion, is going to be the winner of Indiana versus Michigan. Everybody that likes college basketball. Thursday, 11.30 a.m. Eastern Time. I don't care if you're in Hawaii and you turn on your TV at 6.30 in the morning. Indiana-Michigan is tied for the most intriguing bubble matchup of the entire week. Michigan is a last four by. IU is the best team out of the tournament right now, according to Joe Lenardi. IU in the last four in, in some other brackets, as well as Michigan. Here's my point. Indiana and Michigan are everywhere on the brackets. They're everywhere. There are some teams that have Indiana in, some that have Indiana out. There are some that have Michigan in. There are some that have Michigan in the play-in. There are some that have Michigan out. They are at both of these two teams are everywhere on every bubble. This is a huge game and it's more, it's more huge for Indiana because there are more brackets that have Indiana out than in. Michigan, it's more of stay out of Dayton. Don't go to Ohio. Please do not go there. Do not go to that state. But if you're Indiana, you have to win. You have to win this game. And if you're Michigan, you have to stay out of Dayton. I also see the winner of this game even especially if it's IU, using the momentum that they gained in this match against Illinois. Here's the issue with this sleeper pick. The winner of this game plays against Illinois, but Illinois doesn't have a good history in the Big Ten tournament. So it's very interesting to see how this could go. But Illinois is on a three-game win streak. Wins for IU, I was about to say Iowa, wins for IU against Michigan and Illinois would cement them into the field. Indiana has the sense of urgency. They just do. They need the games. I would be terrified if I were Michigan playing IU. But Michigan always has also has a sense of urgency as well. Michigan, important note, also getting Juwan Howard back. Right? Michigan has been coaching or playing their last five games without Juwan Howard. You know, he decided to play MMA. He decided to do his best MMA. He decided to slap a coach. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to say. He tried to slap a coach, and he did slap a coach, and he yelled, and then he said, you know, F you. Don't, don't, don't have to talk to me like that. Don't do all this stuff. Got suspended five games. Hey, Juwan's back. Yay! Michigan went 3-2 and two without him. So Michigan's going to play with that fire that Juwan brings, and we'll see. One of these teams is going to build momentum off of this game because they need it, because they need this game, and they need the next game, right? It's just going to be adrenaline, 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 adrenaline. So I take the winner of Indiana-Michigan, whoever it is. It doesn't matter to me. Whoever wins this game, I could see being a viable upset pick against Illinois. I also think particularly Michigan and Indiana match up well against Illinois. Uh, uh, Trace Jackson-Davis, TJD for Indiana, and also Hunter Dickinson. For Michigan, match up well, in my opinion, against Kofi Coburn, especially Hunter Dickinson, in my opinion, against Kofi Coburn. And also, Michigan just had a comeback win against Ohio State without Hunter Dickinson. So, Michigan's hot. Indiana needs the game. That's going to be a huge game 
fun game to watch. I definitely see the winner of that game using the momentum gain to try and pull an upset against Illinois in what would probably be an Illinois-heavy crowd, potentially, given the fact, you know, it is Indianapolis. Champaign to Indianapolis is, I don't know, would that be three hours maybe from Urbana to Indianapolis? I'm not sure. But either way, either way, Indiana-Michigan winner, that's who I see as a sleeper in the Big Ten. Uh, I chose Wisconsin because I believe that they are the most complete team, and they're very experienced. Oh, Johnny Davis is hurt. No, he's not. Mild ankle sprain. Johnny Davis, quote, I'm ready to go. Johnny Davis is fine. A mild ankle sprain. I will say, it's on Johnny Davis' health. If Johnny Davis comes out and he just looks terrible, he looks like he shattered his ankle. It's Illinois' division or Illinois' tournament to lose. It has to be. But I am going to say, for the sake of this show and for the sake of what he said, literally, I'm going to say he's truly ready to go and that he's at full health. Johnny Davis, Chucky Hepburn, Tyler Wall, Brad Davison. The best group of four players in a starting lineup in the Big Ten, in my opinion. Most consistent. They're experienced. They've been here before. In these tournament scenarios, in these tournament moments, in the big plays, the high-pressure situations, I always go with the experience, and that's why I take Wisconsin here. Steven Crowell, oh yeah, by the way, he's pretty good too. Next, oh hey, it's the same paper that I used before. Next, we have the SEC. Okay, I probably ruffled some feathers earlier than when I was talking about Arkansas. I did choose Arkansas to win. Arkansas is the fourth seed in the SEC. Last team to get the double bye. Also coached by Eric Musselman, guy that led those uh, those twins at Nevada. Also led Nevada to a couple conference wins. Eric Musselman knows what he's doing. Only conference with three top ten teams in the AP rankings would be SEC. Everyone's talking. I've heard everyone talk about all oh, the Big East brutal this year. The Big Ten brutal. The Big Twelve brutal. How about the SEC? Huh? Three top 10 teams in the SEC, and the team that I picked to win it isn't one of those top 10 teams. That's how stacked I think they are. And you've got LSU, you've got A&M, Florida, all competing for tournament spots, all chances to get in. A&M is a little bit more complicated. We're going to get into that in a second. But the SEC was a bit of a bloodbath this year, comparable to the Big 12, which we'll get to later. That Big 12 is going to be last because the Big 12 intrigues me the most. But... Just for now, the SEC, Arkansas, they're hot. I am. You will notice a common theme. I'm picking the hot teams because I trust. I trust trends and I trust consistency. Arkansas has been consistently winning games. They have won 14 of 15 up to this moment. Before losing by four at Tennessee, who's ranked ninth in the nation, projected three seed, I believe. Arkansas is the hottest team in the SEC easily, despite this loss. Arkansas would likely meet LSU in the quarterfinal, a team that they swept in the regular season. Arkansas scores 77 points a game while only giving up 68. They defend well and they score well. If you're giving up less than 70 points a game and averaging almost 80, you're going to win a lot of games. You're also probably going to win 14 out of 15. Hey, hey, big shock. They did. I, I wrote in my notes, star point guard. I think he's a star point guard that you haven't heard of. J.D. Note, and I believe I pronounced that right, N-O-T-A-E. I watched a couple of Arkansas games this year. This guy stuck out almost every game that I watched. Point guard J.D. Note. 
19 points a game, four assists per game. I'm not making a direct comparison, but when I watched J.D. Note play, I'm not saying physically, I'm saying just the, the style of play, how conserved he is, how composed and contained he is when he plays, J.D. Note, in a way, reminds me a little bit of Cassius Winston. When I watched him, I was like, you know, this guy kind of reminds me of Cassius Winston a little bit with Michigan State. 19 points a game and four assists per game if you round up. Cassius was averaging a little bit more assists per game, I'd say, and he was, he was averaging right around 20 a game as well. So just statistic-wise and the way they play and the pace that they play at, I do see a little bit of Cassius Winston and J.D. Note. Jalen Williams, as well, is a machine on defense and the rebound and on the glass. Rebounding glass, however you want to say it. Averages over 10 rebounds a game, averages over a block a game, and it's also worth noting that J.D. Note is a defensive machine as well, averaging over two steals per game. Stanley Amude, I believe I pronounced that right, U-M-U-D-E, Stanley Amude, 36% three-point shooter, averages 12 points a game as well. Arkansas matches well against Auburn more than anyone else in the SEC. In my opinion, based on the shooters, based on J.D. Note, and based on Jalen Williams as well, right? So anybody can produce in different ways for Arkansas. They can beat you different ways. They can beat you on the defense. They can beat you on the offense. You could get in a 55-51 just gut shot game against Arkansas, and you can lose. Or you can get into a 96-93 to point shootout, and you can still lose. Arkansas is one of the only teams in the SEC that can beat you all these different ways outside of Auburn and Kentucky. And that's why I like Arkansas to win it, because the Kentucky situation will be sorted out by the time that they get there. And I think Arkansas can match up well against Auburn, which is what I'm going to say next. Arkansas matches up well against Auburn, better than honestly anyone in the SEC, in my opinion. Again, we will see that when they play in the semifinal, potentially. Auburn and Arkansas, in my opinion, are carbon copies of each other. Almost, except for Auburn has this guy that you might have heard of called, you know, his name's Jabari Smith, top three NBA lottery pick. And now the sleeper for the SEC is going to be similar to what I did with the Big Ten. I have the winner of Florida versus Texas A&M as my sleeper for the SEC. The other game that I was talking about, I said Michigan and Indiana is tied for the most intriguing bubble match of the week. Here is the game that they're tied with. Thursday, 12 o'clock Eastern time, unfortunately, they overlap with the Michigan-Indiana game. You can go back and forth if you're a basketball fan, or you can put both of them on your screen at the same time, since that's a thing now. Thursday, noon Eastern time on the SEC Network, is the other bubble game to watch alongside Michigan-Indiana. Both are out in many bracketologist rankings, which makes this slightly more interesting, but both find themselves in the first four out and or the next four out in almost all brackets. So Florida and A&M are both on the bubbles everywhere. It's either they're in the first four out or the next four out. I've seen some with A&M as first four out and Florida as next four out. I've seen some with Florida as first four out and A&M as next four out. It's all interchangeable right now. In almost all brackets, this game will eliminate one team from the field immediately and then give the winner hope to make a big move against Auburn in the quarterfinals. So 
the winner of Florida A&M would keep themselves on the bubble, keep themselves not eliminated, and then they put everything in that game against they put everything into the game against Florida, they put everything into the game against Auburn, or they put everything into the game against A&M, then they put everything into the game against Auburn, okay? So, Auburn game would be in the quarterfinal. Florida has already beaten Auburn once this year in Gainesville. A&M lost by 17 in the only meeting against Auburn this season. The game between Florida and A&M wouldn't do much on the bubble for the winner of the game, but the next game would. I would look for Florida or A&M to show the sense of urgency versus Auburn, show the need for a victory to get right up in that conference tournament semifinal game to put themselves into the NCAA tournament. I think if A&M beats Florida and Auburn, they have to win one more game, potentially. They at least put themselves in the playing game. I feel like A&M would I feel like A&M would put themselves in a play-in game if they beat Florida and Auburn. And if Florida beat A&M and Auburn, Florida's in no matter what. I think deservedly out of Dayton, not in a play-in, but we'll see. Here's the only issue. Auburn is holding on to a one seed just by a tiny thread, and they need to make an example out of a bubble team, out of a middle-of-the-road team to say, we are Auburn, we are one of the four best teams, we deserve a one seed. So it's going to be the sense of urgency of either Florida or AM versus Auburn's need to flex their muscles and prove to the committee why they deserve to be a one seed. Both different stories, but both equally interesting. That's my look on the SEC. Next, we have the Pac-12. So here's my sleep in the Pac-12. I'm going to go with Oregon State. Just kidding. They're 3-27. and How does that happen? Man, I bet that Elite Eight felt like it was eight years ago, despite the fact it was only like 11 months ago. <laughs> Elite Eight to 3-27. and That's crazy. So I picked Arizona to win this conference. And again... Not a hot take, not a genius pick if they win, right? It's kind of like Duke a little bit, except Arizona's have a little bit more competition. This one's pretty straightforward. Arizona is the best team in the conference. It's not that close. But they split the season series with UCLA. Yeah, this is a neutral site, and Arizona's playing for a one seed. Relax. This isn't at UCLA. They swept USC easily. There's no reason for me to not take another team here instead of Arizona. UCLA does have talent, yes. Can UCLA beat Arizona? Theoretically. But Johnny Juzang needs to be at his best playing against Arizona. And when he wasn't, you saw UCLA lose to Arizona, right? So if Johnny Juzang drops 28 points, sure, they can beat Arizona. It's just you can't go into a game against Arizona because one, of their defense, and two, just because you can't tell a player, hey, go score 28 points, we win the game. Have fun. That, that's not a game plan, right? So theoretically, Arizona, that would be the safe pick. I think it's the smart pick. I think it's the right pick. But here's our sleepers. I have one sleeper as a sleeper tournament winner. I have one sleeper as a tournament contender in terms of, hey, this team can win a couple more games in the tournament, games that we didn't necessarily expect them to win. Okay, The first sleeper is going to be UCLA, or not UCLA, sorry, USC. The sleeper to win the tournament is going to be USC, in my opinion. USC 
Oh, but they're on a two-game losing streak. Uh, yeah. But you'd say all the teams that are hot can win. You're picking a team that's lost two in a row. I understand that. I understand. They lost by 20 against Arizona. I understand that. Yes, they lost by 20 against Arizona. They lost by seven at UCLA. They have played the two best teams in the conference in a row prior to starting the Pac-12 conference tournament. I like when that happens. I like when a team plays these brutal opponents prior to a tournament. It gets them it gets them toughened up for the tournament now. Now you now USC is going to get to play whoever they play. I I forget I, I the bracket it's it's everywhere. I expect USC to avenge one of these losses just based on premise. The first opportunity would be against UCLA in the semis if both teams win, okay? If USC were to beat UCLA or the other team I'm about to mention, they would find themselves in the Pac-12 championship as a surprise in a conference dominated all year by UCLA and Arizona. USC just kind of snuck their way up. They got hot. They've now lost two in a row, but USC is on the trend. They're trending up, you know, despite the fact that they have now lost two in a row against Arizona and UCLA. So I would like USC because potentially there could be an upset against UCLA that I'll get to in a second, but also because I like when a team gets toughened up like that, two tough losses against two good teams before a tournament. It gets you ready. It gets you into that mentality. We cannot feel this loss again. We cannot understand this feeling of defeat again if we want to run through this Pac-12 tournament and leapfrog ourselves potentially onto the... I think if USC wins the Pac-12, beats UCLA and Arizona... I think US, UCLA or USC, I think USC gets a good argument for a four seed, at least. Here's my sleeper. And you're like, oh, I know it's going to be. It's going to be one of the two Pac-12 teams that were just on the bubble that have now played themselves off the bubble and are completely desperate. Wrong, because they play on Arizona's side of the bracket. Oregon and Colorado are on Arizona's side of the bracket. No chance. They also play each other before they would even touch Arizona. Not happening. Not doing it. Here's my sleeper in honor of someone that I know that is also a fan of this team. Wazoo. Washington State. Washington State knocked Oregon off the bubble at home in a 20-point win. Beware the team less talked about. They have won four out of five games. Hey, jackass. Two of them were against 3-27 and Oregon State. Okay, and they're winning better than losing. They give up 65 points per game. That's good defense. We'll get to another team with good defense in a second. I'll give you a quick comparison. Wazoo cannot get into the NCAA tournament without winning this Pac-12 tournament. And I don't think they'll win the Pac-12 tournament. But Wazoo's playing with a little bit of desperation. They know what they need to do. That 0-0 mentality. Hey, this is a brand new season. Let's just not lose. And we get to go to, you know, we get to go to March Madness. Okay. One win against Cal, who is terrible. You beat Cal in round one. You can catch UCLA looking ahead to USC. And you could potentially beat UCLA in the semis against, you know, then you play USC or Washington. There you go. That's all Wazoo's got to do. You catch UCLA looking ahead. You beat UCLA 
Look at that. Wazoo's in the semifinals against USC or Washington. Hello. And I think they, they either split Washington or they swept them. Okay. Wazoo also 16 made threes against Oregon. I don't know. I take I take a team that's hot shooting. I just do. And Wazoo has shot well. They shot well against Oregon. And I'll take them to keep shooting well. And like I said earlier, I just have my little note here. I understand Oregon's situation. I just don't see them beating Arizona. Uh, yeah. Also, they're on Arizona's side of the bracket. Same with Colorado. And I just don't see it. Oregon's also lost five and six. And I, again, I just not. I just can't do it. Oh, but you took the team that's lost two in a row. Yeah, not five of six. Moving on. That's the Pac-12. Very interesting, actually, out of the Pac-12. There could be a lot of weird things going on in the Pac-12. I don't think Oregon or Colorado can beat Arizona, but they'll definitely be playing with that sense of urgency. But take a look. Take a look at Wazoo. Just just take a look at Washington State for me. Don't call me an idiot. Just just watch Wazoo. See if they do what I think they can do. Potentially, I'll be a genius if they do do it too. <laughs> okay, Big Twelve, the final one. Ah, oh, the Big Twelve. The 10-team conference with only nine teams eligible to go to the NCAA tournament. Oh, boy. Very interesting. I had Kansas. I still do have Kansas. I think Kansas is going to win it. Oh, wow. Big, big, big hot take there, guy. You thought you said the Big 12 was interesting. You just took Kansas. What a lazy take. Yeah, okay. Thank you. Here's my sleeper. <sighs> On my note for my sleeper team, it says, everyone but Oklahoma State, LMAO. <laughs> so... So Oklahoma State cannot be in the tournament because they're ineligible because of, I don't know why, actually. I think it was some sort of uh, paying players or something like that. I think they did some sort of illegal recruiting. I'm not entirely sure, which is tough because they had that like nice video offering that one guy a scholarship while he was working at Walmart or whatever it was. Like That was actually kind of a cool video. But anyways, I'm sorry. I'm going down the rat hole. We'll get to the sleeper in a second, trust me. Despite losing to Baylor and TCU, Kansas... Then beating TCU by four, and then getting taken to OT at home versus Texas in the last four games, I believe Kansas remains the best team in this conference. Baylor has lost Chama Chachua. I understand. They've looked okay without Chama Chachua. I understand. Eventually, that will catch up to them. I truly believe that. I think Kansas has the best player in the Big 12 in Ochai Agbaji. He should be the Big 12 player of the year, in my opinion. Christian Braun is one of the best guards you've never heard of. And David McCormick averages 10 points a game, despite the fact that he only plays 22 minutes a game. I haven't even mentioned Remy Martin or Dewan Harris Jr. yet. Kansas is a deep team. They're incredibly deep, and they're incredibly consistent. And what I value, like I said earlier, in these conference tournaments and in the NCAA tournament, I value consistency, and I value depth. Who won't be tired? Who will have the freshest legs going into four games in four days? six games in eight days however it is for the ncaa tournament and you know however it works with the uh with the conference tournaments right i value kansas's depth and i value their consistency so i take kansas in this conference tournament another thing is i will take into account the possibility that baylor gets knocked out before kansas would meet baylor in the final because obviously kansas is the one Baylor's the two. They're on opposite sides of the bracket. They wouldn't touch each other until the uh, Big 12 Conference Championship. So that's kind of where I go with that. If Baylor gets knocked out before, it's a free it's a free roll for Kansas. Okay. So here's my here's my pre sleeper and then my actual sleeper. Okay. In my opinion, truly anybody can win this conference tournament in the Big 12. 
It's so interesting. I don't know if I've ever seen a conference tournament like this where I seriously think anybody can win, even Kansas State or West Virginia, because Kansas State played Kansas close. Kansas State played Iowa State close. West Virginia's beaten Iowa. The, the, everybody has beaten everybody in the Big 12, even Oklahoma State, but it doesn't matter. Anybody can beat anybody in this conference, okay? I would not be surprised. TCU, Texas Tech three seed, Texas, Baylor, Iowa State, any of them. The team that I forgot to mention that I don't, West Virginia, Kansas State, and West Virginia and Kansas State are playing each other in the first round for the right to play against Kansas, okay? So with all of that, the first game of the Big 12 tournament is the quarterfinal outside of this Kansas uh, or outside of this West Virginia, Kansas State game. So with that said, that means three games need to be won unless you're West Virginia or Kansas State to win the Big 12 tournament. So anybody can do it. Anybody can catch fire in the quarterfinal. It can just go on for two more games after that. And oh my gosh, TCU's the Big 12 tournament champion. Who knows? They beat Kansas. But again, I still have Kansas pick. But just because I have Kansas as my pick doesn't mean I'm opening it up to, you know, or closing the discussion. Oh, Kansas only. No shot. Kansas all the way. This isn't like what I'm doing with the ACC and Duke. Anybody can win this conference. And I need to reinforce that. One, to take the heat off of me if Kansas loses. And also, just to get people into this Big 12 tournament. Because despite the fact that they only have nine teams competing, this Big 12 tournament features some of the best teams and I think some of the best action of Championship Week of any of the tournaments. So, I wouldn't be surprised if anyone pulled an upset. I wouldn't be surprised if we see Texas Tech in the championship. Every game in this tournament will be fun to watch, including Kansas State and West Virginia in round one. Here's my favorite sleeper. Okay, and part of this is biased because he offered me a $20,000 scholarship. Oh, you're flexing. You can't do that. You can't show up your money. Sorry. They offered me, you know, I, I, like, I like these guys. They're very nice. I like how they do business. My favorite sleeper is Iowa State. Here's why. They were terrible last season. They were terrible. They won twice. They were two and like 23 last year. They were terrible. Bought in a brand new coach, TJ Otzelberger, from South Dakota State, resurrected the sleeping giant in Ames because Hilton Coliseum, Ames, Iowa, Iowa State basketball, one of the best, most underrated venues in all of college basketball. When Iowa State is good in basketball, in college basketball, it is good for the sport. It is good for the Big 12. When Iowa State is playing well, it reflects well on the Big 12. It reflects well on the fan base. Iowa State is a loyal fan base, and it's so good to see their fans finally get a team like this to root for, you know, for the first time since really like the George Niang days, right? So, and and it's not just it's not just sympathy. Oh, they were terrible. I like them now because they're good and they've won twenty games. Ha huh, yeah. You're just you just like Cinderella's. Well, I mean, yeah, kind of everybody does. But also, Iowa State has one of the most suffocating defenses. Watching oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm about to say this. Watching the Longwood game. <laughs> I cannot believe I just said that out loud. Watching Longwood play in whatever conference that was, the Big South, right? Clinch their first ever conference tournament. Longwood plays a suffocating style of defense 
it's comparable to what Iowa State was, does. And I like that, right? Iowa State defense suffocates you. A suffocating, collapsing man defense, okay? If Iowa State plays the same defense that they always play, and someone else on the team other than Isaiah Brockington scores over 15 points, whether it be, let's say, Robert Jones, whether it be George Condit, whether it be, hmm, let's see, Gabe Kausher, whether it be Tyrese Hunter, right? I, I think I said them all. Robert Jones, George Condit, Gabe Kausher, Tyrese Hunter. Those are those are the other four that at any time have the chance to score 10 to 15 points or more. I would say potentially, and Jazz Koontz as well. I would say Gabe Kausher, Jazz Koontz, and Tyrese Hunter. Hunter Tyrese Hunter is a point guard all around great player freshman too very very good player calm conserved scorer defender passer just Tyrese Hunter can go a little bit out of control sometimes but that obviously will improve as he gets more time playing at Iowa State but Iowa State they can score they have talent around Brockington they just need it because the way they defend if Iowa State can score 70 points a game they don't lose but the problem is they just don't because nobody else around Brockington consistently scores. Iowa State is Michigan State, but that knows how to play defense. That's literally what they are. Except Iowa State also has at least one consistent score. Michigan State has zero. Moving on. I also notice I didn't mention Michigan State in any of this because I'm not a homer, up until now at least. Iowa State's defense suffocates. We've been there. Someone's got to score over 15 points other than Isaiah Brockington. They can beat anybody. If somebody does this, whoever they're playing is in trouble. It doesn't matter if it's Kansas. By the way, Iowa State at Kansas, Kansas won by one. Just want to point that out there. It doesn't take a lot for them to win games in terms of points. It just doesn't. Hence the fact that, hey, hey, they're 305th in D1 out of like 330 teams. 305th with 67 points a game, but they still have 20 wins. Let that speak to the defense a little bit. They only won twice last season. This year, 305th best scoring offense. Imagine how many games they would have won if they were just a completely average offense, not completely garbage. If they were just an average offense, 160th in the country in D1, they'd have 24, 25 wins. They'd be, they'd be a 2-3 seed in this conference tournament. They'd be top 15 team in the country, easily. So just think about that. If Iowa State gets hot on offense, Iowa State scores 70 points, you lose. That's game over. I don't care if you're Baylor. I don't care if you're Texas Tech. I don't care if you're Texas. I don't care if you're TCU. You lose if Iowa State scores 70 on you or even 75. You have no shot. No shot. They average, I think on defense, they give up like 62 a game, I think. One of the best overall scoring defenses in the country. You give up 75 points to Iowa State on offense, toast. Doesn't matter who you are. Gonzaga. Gonzaga, Iowa State in the second round of the tournament, if Iowa State's an eight seed. If if Iowa State scores 80 points on Gonzaga, I don't care what Drew Timmy does. I don't care what uh, Chad Holmgren does. Don't care about any of it. Iowa State, Gonzaga. Iowa State scores 75 points. Iowa State wins a game. Game over. Because they played in a brutal conference. Conferences loaded with offense. Baylor, Texas Tech, Kansas, Texas. Brutal conference. Iowa State scores 75 points. Bye-bye. You're done. That's it. That's my that's my conference tournament ranking. That's it. A ranking, analysis, whatever. 
Aaron Rodgers is coming back. I'm sad. I'm hungry. I need food. I'm in a bad mood. I'm in a good mood. I'm watching the Horizon Tournament. All this stuff in the background. It's great stuff. It's Seriously, it's great stuff. It's great stuff. And next week is going to be, honestly, it's going to be better because it's going to be the actual big tournament now. Who's going to take all of it? See how all this shapes out. I'm going to keep on my notes. I'm going to keep who I picked. I'm going to report back to you next week on picks that worked out, picks that didn't, what I got right, what I got wrong. We'll get into the field of 68, see how that works, and that's that's all. I appreciate the support. Continue listening. This is March. This is the best time of the year for me as a sports fan, As other than maybe August, September, as football season starts. This is, uh, this is good stuff. This is why... Why basketball people lock themselves in their room for 10 hours a day, except for me, because I go to college and I have classes, which is making things very busy. But thankfully, next week is spring break for me, and I'll have time to watch some of the games. I also manage, here, the last little quick story before I go, it's like I'm on a phone call. Last week or whatever, or not last week, eh, yeah, I'll see, you know, we'll say last week. I looked at my flight, just to make sure on my flight details right, because I'm flying back from North Dakota to Michigan. So I look and I'm like, oh, okay, this is the day that I fly out. Good, make sure I have all my information. I fly out Saturday, which just so happens to be the day. You know, I'm talking about all this conference tournament stuff, how I'm going to be locked into all of it. Saturday, in case you're listening, just happens to be the day where there's like 12 conference championship games. <laughs> Thankfully, my flight leaves North Dakota at 5.30 in the morning. So I'll be in Michigan by noon and then, you know, hopefully I'll have all my other stuff figured out and I'll at least be there watching or listening on the radio i'll have some sort of something to at least be locked in so that was kind of a that was kind of unfortunate but hey any way you can get back home you take it you can go back home go see your family go see your friends i'll take it so that's just kind of that's it that's it that's all the conference stuff we'll see how it goes like i said i'm gonna take a take a, a look at my notes and stuff and everything and see who wins who loses what i got right what i got wrong if i got any sleepers right I hope Wazoo doesn't make me look like an idiot. And I'm just so sad that Aaron Rodgers is back in town and that pushes the Lions' chances of winning the NFC North back two years. So I look I already look like an idiot enough with all my Lions NFC North champ stuff now that all this Aaron Rodgers, you know, fiasco stuff has all been figured out. So Yep, that's all. I'm gonna go watch some more basketball and grab my dinner. Take care guys. And girls. Personality. This is my favorite conference tournament memory, by the way. Just because we're in the spirit of conference tournament, cool and awesome fun time. Seven, what a mismatch. Walker on McGee with four. Kemba Walker, step back. Walker, 